Alberta Conservatives have elected a new leader and ultimately the next Premier in Daniel Smith, whose return to provincial politics has so far proven successful. As she's sworn in, she's made party unity a key issue for her in the coming weeks, with plans to meet with MLAs and prepare for this month's upcoming party AGM. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Lisa Johnson, who covers provincial politics for the Edmonton Journal, joins me to discuss Smith's path to victory, her next challenge of winning a seat in the legislature, and what the public can expect from a Smith-led United Conservative government. Don't forget you can find us on all your favorite listening platforms, whether that's Apple, Google, Spotify, or Amazon. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Lisa, after several months, Alberta's Conservatives finally picked a new leader in Danielle Smith. Alberta will have a new premier. And you followed this campaign from when it was announced there'd be a leadership review for Jason Kenney all the way up until now. And while I know all of the leadership hopefuls had campaign platforms, there was talk of other issues during debates and even some public policy releases. Were you surprised so much of the oxygen in this race was taken up by Smith's proposed Alberta Sovereignty Act and not just by Smith and the likes of us in the media, but by other campaigns as well? In a word, yes. Uh, the day Danielle Smith launched her leadership campaign in May, it, it was the same day UCP caucus had met in Calgary to decide whether Kenny would stay on as leader until a new head of the party could be elected or if he would be replaced by an interim leader. It was right after he said he would resign, so they needed to figure it out. Obviously, he stayed on as leader until Thursday's leadership vote. But I can tell you, I mean, at that day, Smith offered a lengthy, almost hour-long virtual news conference. It got about five lines in our coverage that day, mostly because of the caucus meeting. And those five lines were not nothing, but she was expressing a lot of fringe ideas, like offering amnesty to Albertans who were fined and jailed for ignoring rules around COVID-19. And some of those ideas she stuck to throughout the campaign. It obviously became a huge theme fighting back against COVID pandemic public health measures and, and promising to never institute lockdowns again. That became a big talking point for her. But some other ideas fell off. Others she picked up and started emphasizing later, like hiring educational assistants and teachers. But the Sovereignty Act proposal on its own, which essentially proposes ignoring federal laws that Alberta doesn't like, started to get a lot of attention in June. Legal scholars got wind of it and started talking about it. They said it was likely unconstitutional, would likely um, lead to a crisis, would undermine the rule of law. Kenny called it cockamamie. Uh, he was he was very critical right off the bat. His finance minister, Jason Nixon, said it was overpromising things we know can't be delivered. The, his energy minister, Sonia Savage, said it would put the energy industry at risk. Five of the other six leadership candidates, basically, to summarize what they said, I mean, they said it was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad idea. At one point, Rajan Sani, who was also running for leadership, said either Smith intended to provoke a constitutional crisis, as the authors of the, the act seemed to want, or she was just engaging in meaningless virtue signaling. 
she called for Danielle to uh, to put it to a general election to get a mandate on it. Um, but I mean, ultimately, the idea captivated captivated a big chunk of the party's base. It's way more aggressive than anything the UCP has ever done. So for those party members who felt like the UCP never gained any ground in its fight back strategy against Ottawa, it was it was just music to their ears. And it forced the other leadership candidates to define exactly how they would push back against Ottawa and how they would go beyond just writing angry letters. Amid all this criticism from, you know, her challengers, her predecessor, other cabinet ministers who are still in caucus and still cabinet ministers and constitutional experts and columnists, Smith said, look, don't judge it yet. Wait till we see more details. I know she released a framework of what the act could potentially address, but ultimately I imagine a lot of this is going to have to come when we actually see the legislation as written. When can we expect to see more details on what that's going to look like? Yeah. The more details she released, it didn't really assuage the concerns of her critics. That's for sure. But Smith wants to table this bill herself. She wants to have a seat in the legislature and she wants to introduce it by the end of November. So that's likely when we'll see the actual language of the bill. And of course, the bigger question is like, what is it going to look like once caucus tries to tweak it, once it goes through government bureaucrats? Um, On Thursday night, when reporters were speaking to Brian Jean, who came third in the leadership race, he said, you know, have you ever seen a leadership race that didn't water it down afterwards? That's true. I, you know, it's, it is one of those things that, that happens with a lot of times with, with legislation that's proposed during a campaign. And when you see legislation get written as well, there, it's not always as advertised. You mentioned Brian Jean coming in third. In the end, it came down to the final ballot the final ballot count, I guess, with a preferential ballot, with Smith tallying just over 53% to former finance minister Travis Taves getting roughly 46%. And we're not honestly far off from the narrow majority that Jason Kenney had in his leadership review in the spring, which leaves some people wondering about whether there is in fact unity within this party. And I know that after their caucus meeting on Friday, the entire caucus came out onto the steps of the McDougal Center in Calgary for a big family photo hinting that there, there's, there's unity. I mean, what did Smith say about it in her victory speech? And what about her first availability after that caucus meeting? Yeah, um, Smith has been really um, beating the drum of unity. I mean, all of the candidates have been throughout the leadership election, right? They've been talking about how important unity is and and how important it is to bring everybody together. But in her victory speech, she said no matter what MLAs had said, no matter who they had supported, no matter what decisions they had made in the past, it's not important to her. I'm wiping the slate clean was her takeaway line um, on that issue. And then on Friday, when she was speaking to reporters, she outlined kind of an olive branch plan. She wants to sit down with every single MLA this week to talk about their priorities and why they got elected, why they wanted to get elected in the first place, what they want to do in government. And she likened caucus to a family, a family that might have disagreements, but they'll 
work together. So she obviously went out of her way to make a show of caucus unity and she, and she made it visual. We saw caucus posing for a big family picture. Most of them were obviously asked to wear a little bit of blue. There was a lot of blue in this family photograph. Jason Kenny was not in the picture though, mm-hmm. which is interesting. <laughs> now we have other candidates. I know you mentioned Brian Jean talked on, on Thursday night. What have some of the other members of caucus or the other competitors in the race said following the Smith victory about unity, about, you know, where the party goes from here? So a lot of them, I mean, Leela spoke to reporters the night of, um, Leela, Raj Sani, Rebecca Schultz, they were right behind Smith in this photo on Friday. They were all smiles. Todd Lowen, who was kicked out of caucus by Jason Kenney, he's now back in. He was in the photo. Uh, Travis Taves, the former finance minister, efficient, he, he finished in second place. He told reporters he's committed to party unity and working with Smith and caucus. But it's unclear whether or not Taves is going to stay in his seat, um, whether or not Kenny will stay uh, as a sitting MLA. Both of them have kind of left that up in the air. Tave said he reserves the right to uh, to make that decision depending on who wins the leadership. Kenny said he's not sure how long he'll stay as a sitting MLA depending on who wins the leadership. So some of it is still very much in the air, but for the time being, as a group, they seem to be putting on a united front. We'll be right back. As of right now, Daniel Smith will be a premier without a seat, at least for the time being. She announced on Saturday she'd be running in southern Alberta in the Medicine Hat region. What was the rationale for picking that seat? And, you know, as of right now, there is an empty seat in Calgary. Uh, former Justice Minister Doug Schweitzer has resigned his position as an MLA. What what was her rationale for running where she is and not calling a by-election for an already existing vacancy? Yeah. I mean, on this one, we've been asking these questions for since Doug Schweitzer announced his resignation. And the law in Alberta gives Smith a lot of leeway. It's it's unclear and it's actually kind of contradictory about whether or not the vacant riding of Calgary Elbow needs to see a by-election before the general in May. So Smith has said she's offered a few reasons for choosing Brooks Medicine Hat and leaving Calgary Elbow vacant. She uh, She's within her rights to leave Calgary Elbow vacant, but it, it certainly kicked up a lot of dust. But what she says, I mean, Brooks Medicine Hat is a mostly rural riding in southeast Alberta. She says there's a convention that new leaders without a seat at the legislature should run in a by-election. That's fair. She needs a seat. She also said she wants to signal to every rural riding across the province that they will be listened to and have a seat at the decision-making table. She says an MLA in a riding bumping up against Calgary Elbow can just do the job of the missing MLA, a kind of adjacent representation. So it's not a priority for her. She's she's also mentioned the cost. She said she doesn't want to hold a series of by-elections and sticking to one would save taxpayer money. I mean, at the same time, she's also suggesting that there will be more resignations from some of the MLAs in her caucus if she's expecting a series of by-elections. What have the opposition said about 
a lack of of a by-election in, in Calgary elbow. I, I can imagine that Rachel Notley and the NDP are looking for anything to kind of attack the new UCP leader on, and this kind of serves them up a, a slab of outrage pretty easily. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a good slab of red meat for them. So late last week, they were really expressing a lot of outrage over the fact that, that Smith intends to leave Calgary elbow unrepresented in the legislature. There's an obvious argument that that those constituents are not being represented in the democratic system. Um, Rachel Notley has said that on the grand scheme of things, Smith needs to call a general election if she wants to move forward with the radical proposals that she wants to move forward with and should call an election immediately. But when it comes to the by-elections, you know, their argument is that people are being left unrepresented in Calgary Elbow. And one of the lines from Rachel on on Friday was, grow a backbone and call a by-election in Calgary Elbow. They're they're essentially calling out Danielle for for being scared of losing that seat, being scared of, of fighting for that seat. It's, it's given them a lot of fodder, that's for sure. I mean, you talk about fights and, and whether Daniel Smith is ready for a fight. There's been much made about Daniel fighting against the Trudeau-Singh alliance in Ottawa or the Notley-Trudeau-Singh alliance. And she's called the federal government a, an increasingly hostile regime that attempts to control every aspect of our lives. I, I know that she and the prime minister spoke the day after her victory how did the prime minister's office characterize that conversation? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, we haven't gotten a readout from Smith or or her campaign. I mean, they're in the midst of a, a pretty massive transition on the government side. But if Smith was as hostile during that conversation with the prime minister as she has been when speaking about the prime minister during this campaign, you would not know it from the readout sent by the prime minister's office. It, it points to a lot of possibilities for hand-holding. We, we both want to work together to make life more affordable. We both want to create good jobs. We both want to support a strong economy in Alberta and across the country. Um, it says the two leaders discussed energy and climate change and opportunities for Alberta and Canada to become reliable sources of energy and natural resources in a net-zero world. I was reading that verbatim, that last bit. But it's interesting because Smith has been somewhat of a lone wolf in the leadership campaign by saying that she supports net zero emissions goals. She said at a UCP debate that she thinks the oil and gas industry can innovate and use technology to hit those goals. So, I mean, that is somewhat genuine, but it it also um, it it doesn't reflect the combativeness of of Smith's campaign so far against Ottawa. That's for sure. Now. Aside from the the Alberta Sovereignty Act, there have been a lot of talk during the campaign about some other major issues, including, you know, the fair deal that Jason Kenney talked about. And I think a lot of candidates were trying to pick up on some of those notions, including a provincial pension and a provincial police force. What can people expect from the incoming premier when it comes to some of these issues? So Smith has said she supports a provincial police service. She's totally on side with this UCP project. Um, it's been long talked about by the government and, and prior to them being elected. I've spoken with one municipality over the past few years that endorses this idea. Otherwise, it, otherwise it's, it's pretty broad disapproval um, 
around the province from municipalities. But Smith has tried to kind of temper the idea of the proposal with saying she wants to augment the RCMP first. But ultimately, she would move forward, I think, with replacing the RCMP. She's she's for that. And as for the fair deal panel recommendations, she's she's often cited them and the UCP's, you know, election win in 2019, which was big to argue that she has a mandate to follow through with her campaign proposals. But her proposals and those of the panel and even of the UCP when it was running, they don't precisely line up. Neither the UCP with its election platform, nor the panel's recommendations include anything close to the Sovereignty Act. They they don't recommend ignoring federal law, although they, they recommend a long list of other things to fight back against Ottawa. They do not include ignoring federal law. So she's taking it a step further, for sure. And in general terms, she's argued that she has a full mandate to plow through with her proposals because the party and other leadership candidates agree with the general aims of what she's trying to do. But of course, throughout this campaign, they have not necessarily agreed with with the means of how to achieve them, that's for sure. By the time some listeners are hearing this, Smith will have been sworn in as premier. And, you know, aside from running in a by-election, between now and when the legislature reconvenes, she's got a pretty packed schedule. What, you know, you mentioned earlier about wanting to meet with every single member of caucus and, find, you know, talk to them about goals and their lives and, and things like that. What else does Danielle Smith say she has to get done before the legislature sits again? Yeah, I mean, she really focused on chatting it up with caucus, building relationships. There's there's a major team building exercise going on right now. And then she's got a caucus retreat planned in Sylvan Lake. She's invited all the MLAs and their spouses to come and meet and discuss, obviously, how the, how the government's going to go forward. On the 21st, and this is all this is all kind of got a cloud of job interview over it, because on the 21st, we can expect her to announce her cabinet. And that's the same day the party is kicking off its annual general meeting, its AGM which will see the party members debate different policy proposals and and we're also expecting a speech from the new leader. So it's it's going to be a busy month for sure. And when do we expect the legislature to start up again? I assume, you know, there was talk of around Halloween, but I imagine we're pushing that back into November. I think it's being pushed. Yeah. Yeah, with Danielle saying that she wants to introduce the Sovereignty Act herself and she's very clearly said this is this is bill 1, this is her number one priority. She would need to be in the house to do that. So we're looking at late November, I think. Well, as always, fascinating time in Alberta politics, definitely exciting change whether you see it as positive or negative. There's a there's a, a lot going on here right now. Lisa, thanks for your time. Thanks, Dave. 10-3 is produced by Tyler Dawson. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Lisa Johnson. More from her at edmontonjournal.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.